Hello, hello, hello! Welcome everybody to another episode with uh, with another guest. Today we have with us Matt Nee, uh, who is founder and CEO of this company called My Company Works that allows entrepreneurs to get started to change the world. So they, they so they are the first step whenever you think of changing the world. Matt, welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, good to be with you. Fantastic. Okay, Matt. Before we talk about anything why don't you just take a couple of minutes some or some time to talk about what my company works does uh my company works uh kind of like it sounds uh <clears throat> we help your company work we help you get it started so mm-hmm. uh, we've been doing this i've been doing this since 2001 so i'm an old school kind of dot com veteran um mm-hmm. if you need to start a corporation or an llc we can file all that paperwork we can get your tax IDs we can help you with business licenses we can help you maintain compliance and help out with various other tasks uh, introduce you to vendors all kinds of stuff like that so basically we help people start companies and we help them kind of manage it um, we do all 50 states in the US and um, we help people all over the world about about 20 to 25% of our customers are actually international now with the explosion of Amazon and Shopify and Etsy and all these things So uh, a lot of international experience with that. Uh, a lot of our competitors don't have that. So uh, again, since 2001, and we've we've done over 60,000 of them. So we're pretty pretty good at. It. Fantastic! Like oh my think. god! Oh yes, this is incredible. Okay, so Matt, uh, how would you? I mean, I was trying. So I have started US companies before, and I'm in India. So before. before i like my first company that i did in us uh, delaware c corp was in 2013 and i had to get it done via uh, so i had to hunt for a lawyer uh, who could do that for us and that and it was a very tedious process because it involved i i, I remember very vividly calling at least 10 or 12 of my friends who could introduce me to somebody and then finally meeting somebody who would who understand what we were trying to do and the reason behind it and who could get us a bank account and all of that uh, too that was the process in 2013 that i did then the next company that i did was through stripe atlas was stripe atlas gets you started for $500 they get you started but then you are on your own you have to find your own accountant your own bookkeeping service so how would you uh, differentiate like my company works from these two experiences that i had before well uh, we have a lot of that feedback a lot of people did go to a lawyer they spent thousands for stuff that you're paying us 299 399 you know um mm-hmm. stripe atlas very good i i have no problems with stripe stripe itself is a great product the merchant account part um We like to be more of a kind of a lifelong partner. So once you're with us, you're on our platform, you have a dashboard. We will introduce you. We have several vetted bookkeepers. We have several vetted tax firms. We have several. Uh, we, we provide the whole thing as far as uh, we're we're now integrating with several banks. We have a Bank of America partnership. We have a Mercury Bank partnership. So you can actually get um, the Mercury Bank account online. Ninety-eight percent of the time, there's a few small select companies that can't get the bank account. online but for the most part we can get you the bank account we can provide you the US phone number the, the business address we have a virtual office we'll scan your mail you don't have to deal with the whole international mailing issues you know we can get all that utility bills etc so we we consider ourselves like a uh, like a company as a service almost oh my god okay so you are saying 
that instead of me working with four different entities for bookkeeping, a registered agent, a incorporator, a accountants, instead of all of these, I could just use a platform like My Company Works. Well, we do we do partner with bookkeepers. We don't do the bookkeeping ourselves, but we are the registered okay. agent. We are the business uh, address provider. We are the virtual phone provider, voice over IP, mm-hmm. um, and we are the incorporator. So. Bookkeeping and taxes, we work closely with them, but it would not be done in-house, but we are partners with them. Well-known people. Got it, got it, got it. Oh my God. So, and you are in business for the last 19 years. So, and I I had requirements to get all of this done, uh, I think eight years ago. So that basically means I suck at Googling. I definitely suck at Googling. I should have found you guys instead of going through that painful experience. Um, Yeah, well, uh, we have a lot of international experience, and that's where the pain point is. A lot of domestic, we have we have competitors, domestic competitors, and big ones too. Um, they do, you know, um, relatively the same that we do. But we've really, really uh, helped out and worked a lot with international folks, and we're really helping them because they have a lot of problems with our competitors because they just don't have the experience with them. You know, we know exactly what Amazon FBA needs to get an account. Mm-hmm. We know how to work with people to get past the utility bill requirements and stuff like that. So, um, but we, we just in general think we're, we're better at it. I mean, we've been doing again, 19 years, but I mean, to put this in perspective, we have two better business bureau complaints in 19 years. Okay. Two. I see. I mean, some of our competitors have dozens every year. So we really pride ourselves on the service part. It's the biggest differentiator, as you know, probably in a lot of industries, if it's, if, if the product itself is a commodity, you have to differentiate yourself on the service. And that's what we really pride ourselves on. Fantastic. Also, um, before we were talking, uh, so before recording, when we were talking, you mentioned that uh, you're the solo founder of this venture. And uh, let me add some context. I have been a solo founder myself. I have failed many times. I've succeeded a few times. Uh, so here's the thing. When I was just starting out, everybody told me it's just plain wrong to go out solo on a venture like this. And uh, these were not people that uh, uh, were just talking stuff because they heard it somewhere. But these were people who were building businesses themselves. Uh, And also uh, one of the very popular um, narratives online that year, uh, that time was uh, Y Combinator's uh, narrative, which was, it's better to have, so whenever you would apply, at Y Combinator, they would recommend that you at least are two co-founders instead of just being a solo co-founder. And the acceptance rate, when I spoke to Y Combinator companies, um, oh, with my limited sample size, uh, I realized all of the Y Combinator companies that I was able to reach out, they were always more than one co-founders, not just okay. one. And it gave me uh, a sense of doing something wrong for many, many years. Uh, whenever I would fail, I would I would have one single reason to point at and which was, hey, I did not get a co-founder. But uh, when I succeeded the first time, I realized, hey, that was not really required. Uh, So why there's so much fuss about it? And now instead of guilting myself myself into thinking I need somebody, I have become more comfortable into uh, building a company um, as as a single person, as a solo founder, because now the world has changed so much that uh, uh, you could get almost everything to run your company out on the internet. So, but you have been doing this for last 19 years. 
how was the time when you started out solo and what has your experience been like would you recommend somebody going solo uh today i would i would recommend it yeah to to at least try it at least start out solo because mm-hmm. um you know i i've been in uh, enough doing startups and helping people start ups long enough to see a lot of partner problems and mm-hmm. a lot of companies end on partner problems you know especially when you have a 50-50 split you yes. have a a bit you're deadlocked you can't do a lot of things if one of the partners decides oh i'm not going to contribute that much or i'm not going to yes. do that much or maybe they haven't agreed what they're each going to do and you have to understand when i started in 2001 we did not have the cloud we could not spin up servers in 5 seconds we could not mm-hmm. i mean to you needed uh, a lot of uh, help especially on the technical side mm-hmm. that you can now get through various platform providers you know you don't have to you don't have to come up with your own e-commerce store and code it mm-hmm. from hand you You can just go on Shopify, test your product. You can go on Amazon, fulfilled by Amazon. You can test a product there. You can get sales. They handle all the payments. I mean, back in 2001, you had to go to your own merchant account. You had to apply through the thing. It was hard to even incorporate. It was hard mm-hmm. to build out apps. Uh, it was very expensive. There wasn't as many people out there. You know, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of issues. Bookkeepers. You had to go to a local bookkeeper. You had to take your QuickBooks file on a on a on a disk basically and have them work on it. I mean there was a cloud accounting. I mean all this stuff is so much easier these days that I would recommend you do a, a you try a solo if you can't find if you don't have a good person you trust. Solo founder uh, is just fine. Um if if not, you know, if you need help, then of mm-hmm. course go ahead and recruit and a lot of people have done that through what Y Combinator and what not. They've encouraged that. My opinion is that a lot of venture capitalists like uh multiple founders just because it's easier for them because they you know if one person flakes out if one of the founders can't handle it the company keeps going right if you're a solo founder um the VCs don't like that because then you're you're a single point of failure right if you don't yes. work out you know the other people can't pick up the slack so I, i actually think that's one of their their reasons why they really like multiple founders more than but it is hard i mean it's hard you need help um But I'm just saying a lot of since 2001 a lot of the help that you need um are on platforms now or even contractors you can go on Upwork and find temporary people to do CFO CTO kind of stuff is my opinion on that. Fantastic. Yes. That makes sense. But what was your experience like when you were doing it 19 years ago? How difficult was it? Oh, it's miserable. I you know I tell people this. I I have a book that I wrote called Startups Made Simple. Um, I talk about this in the book but it was there were so many times during the first 6 months that I just wanted to quit. I mean, okay. not like crying in your in your cereal kind of quit, but it just like it was I had I had no idea what I was doing. There wasn't systems around. There wasn't really good information. There was the book the E-Myth and mm-hmm. a couple of other well-known kind of small business books, you know, mm-hmm. about one minute manager and stuff like that. But now there is so much content there's entire websites dedicated to how to be a good founder how to manage your you know build systems how to manage your your day how to you know all kinds of productivity apps like you make i mean these things were simply not really around back then besides yes. you know the very you know rudimentary introductory versions so uh, i did not have fun the first 6 months i did not have fun the first year but after that it got it got better each year and then once i you know started uh 
systemizing, learning how to delegate, boy, you know, life is a lot easier than it was those first okay. couple of years. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Talking about your book, uh, which year was it when you wrote that book? I mean, which year into your business was it when you wrote that book? Oh, way after 2018. So a good 17 years after after uh, I started. it's everything that I had learned in that 17 years. And then, you know, talk, it's not just me. It's not about me. I, I deal with startup founders all day. I know literally probably more than a dozen friends that have companies or have started companies. So I am intimately, I consider startups my wheelhouse. I talk to these people all the time. They're our clients. They're my friends. Everything that I know that I learned from all of them, I, I threw into that book. So that's that's basically the life learning of startups from me up to that point. Incredible. And uh, how was the experience of writing the book while you were running your own uh, full-time company? I'm, I'm sure it was easier because you were 17 years into the company and you had all the processes and people in place. Um, but uh, uh, was it difficult to like focus on something as creative as writing a book? Because sometimes it can take many, many months to do it. And you have to be in that creative zone for many, many months while you are uh, running your own company, which drains you out some days so how, how did you balance between these two activities well I, I never i never would have gotten that book written if i had not systemized my company and uh, i'm a real big i mean it's literally in the title it's called startups made simple how to mm -hmm. start grow and systemize your dream business so if i didn't have systems i would have never gotten that book done i was able to take several months off um to write it um, just checking in daily with the team, but I told them, I was like, guys, I'm writing uh, almost all day. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, I, I want you to all handle the meetings and, you know, the, the, the tasks and keep the projects going. And, you know, the systems we're running, we're a very well-documented company. So uh, to the day, it runs pretty much on itself. But back then, yeah, definitely. I, I would not have been able to write that if I wouldn't have uh, practiced what I preached and built systems. I see. Interesting. Uh so Matt, incredible background, incredible story. And now I'm curious about your present time. I mean, if if you had to walk me through your a typical day, what does it look like? I know typical day is not the ideal day, uh, but let's just, let's just pick any weekday if of any week. Uh, what does it look like? What time do you get up? How do you um, uh, arrange your things that you have to do in the day? What time do you wrap it up? How do you find time? How do you like add boundaries between your work and life, uh, especially when everybody's working from home? Uh, so if you could like talk about those things. Sure, sure. Uh, I imagine a lot of CEOs and uh, other founders you interview are not going to be like me. I, uh, I'm i a night owl, uh, one of the okay. few, uh, but I, I, I know several very, very successful night owl founders, but there's not many of them and I am one. So I stay awake very late at night. Wow. Okay. Um, very late, two or 3 AM. Um, and I wake late in the morning. I, I, about five or six years ago, I started treasuring my sleep to the point where I, I do not sacrifice sleep. Okay. Unless it's an emergency, unless something's going on. And I'm very grateful to my wife who watches my son in the early morning, takes him to school and stuff. But that lets me get my seven, eight hours. If I get seven, eight hours, I'm, three times more effective than if I don't get those seven to eight hours. And I, yes. I, I did not follow that rule for the first 13, 14 years. So it mm -hmm. wrecked my health. Okay. I was on probably five medications, uh, high blood pressure, stress, anxiety, all these things. Um, once I started just working around my natural style, I wake up, 
I wake up later in the day, maybe 10, 11 a.m., sometimes even noon. And I know this sounds okay. insane to your listeners, right? I can get away <laughs> with it now because I have systems. I have people that work for me that handle the stuff in the mornings. Again, my wife, I'm very grateful for. She takes, she handles the child rearing in the mornings. I take the night shift. But um, I, you know, I wake up and I, you know, my big thing after being stressed for so many, you know, 10, 15 years is I don't rush into anything. I, I don't check email. I don't check tasks right away. I get up. I go and open the shades. Uh, I look at the sun. Uh, I go make some tea, brush, brush teeth. You know, these things. I mean, read some Twitter, maybe read some uh, blogs. And I, I don't rush into it at all. Okay. And then okay. when I finally, and then after that, basically I sit down and I have a process and I'm a very systemized person. I've even written processes for me, but basically <laughs> okay. I clear my inboxes. I handle all the admin stuff and tasks first. Again, this is the opposite of a lot of advice I hear. A lot of people say, hey, first thing in the morning, wake up and write, do your creative stuff and then don't check email and stuff. That doesn't work in my world because I, first of all, I wake up too late for it. You know, you uh -huh. can't, the rest of the world's already going by the time I've started, you know, um, working and checking yes, in. Yes, yes, so, yes. And also I can't relax if I know if there's maybe something on fire in my inbox or some kind of bad thing or some kind of important notification. So I mm -hmm. clear all my inboxes first. Then I, once I'm done and I only, it only takes an hour or so, usually I focus on the big picture work for the rest of the day. So I get my admin stuff done and then I can relax and the rest of the day is usually a good three to four hours of deep work blocked out time. This is where mailman becomes real important to me because uh, I do have to keep my email open. It's just a psychological requirement for me. But uh, I basically just get that done. And then I only work probably about five hours a day at that. And then, then I have, uh, and you know, we're coming up around six, seven o'clock at night. Um, this is when I have a uh, family time. So I stick with the family. We hang out, we have dinner, we relax, we watch movies. And then again, I'm a night owl, right? So yes. you know, nine, 10 o'clock is when I reserve my reading time. That's my reading and review time. So, you know, as a CEO, you have reports, you have to check analytics, yes. various things. Um, I put all of that, all my business reading towards late at night. I think better at night. I can, you know, kind of process the information. Um, I use Instapaper to wrap up, to save all the articles. Uh, and then at the very end of the night, I'll do personal books, Twitter, you know, time wasting kind of stuff. And that's pretty much it until I go to bed. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, I could relate to you, but also not relate to you on a few things. Okay. So let me take them one by one night owl. I love it. I was a night owl recently because of these uh, time zone differences and we have to work across time zones. So my schedule is haywire. Some days I am <laughs> early worm, uh, some early bird, some days I am uh, a night owl. But the days that I am night owl, I have realized I have been most creative during my nighttime. So I use my nighttime to create output versus doing some reading or because whenever I know, Hey, today I'm going to wake up late. I finish all of my reading, anything that has to be consumed, all the input, business analytics, uh, reading, admin work. I do all of that in the day because my nights, I know I'll be uh, not disturbed by anything, by anybody. And I could just focus that uh, though, those three, four hours, just creating output, but you have something different. You reserve your nights to read, to consume, to soak in more information. 
Right. Do you do you do you have you ever felt that uh, if your nights are very productive, why why don't you give it a try? Do why don't you give it a try to create say output in the night time? I've done, I've actually done both, um, and, okay. and I do do both. I actually go back and forth. That's that's my typical day, but I would say about twenty percent of the time I do do output at night. So uh, okay, I will jump in front of the computer. I will work on projects. I will write up specs. I will you know. Uh, communicate with the team, get things done. Uh, I don't code per se these days anymore or anything, but you know, there's a lot of project management that's involved and I, I do a lot of stuff and you know, we work asynchronous, so I'm allowed to do that at night. So uh, that, it's not necessarily that I don't do it. It's just the way that I work has, has kind of kind of migrated that way over the years. But I, I, do, I definitely do both and I, I see value in doing both. Got it. Uh, but usually, eighty percent of times, you stay away from the screens in, uh, during the night time. Is it? I, I try to as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And uh, you mentioned something about sleep early in your answer. So uh, earlier, you were uh, compromising on sleep, which was eventually affecting your days and your health and your life. Uh, how did you realize, um, or what? So. When you hear everything going on in the world about being an early bird, uh, wake up early, have a morning routine. Nobody talks about night routine. Everybody talks about morning routine. Uh, but when, if you're one of those people who whose whose body cycle is such that you work the best during the night time, so how do you fit yourself? How do you find a place in a world like this for yourself? Boy, it would be it would be really difficult if I wasn't a founder that had a systemized company and. Um, for the best advice I can for people that are like that. And by the way, that's almost my whole family is like that. So I do believe in genetics and chronotypes, they call these. So certain people mm -hmm. are just night people. Um, that's just the way they are. That's the way they're made. I can wake up. It's not like I can't wake up in the mornings. I worked in the corporate world for many years. I just didn't, I just didn't do it very well waking up at six or 7 a.m. You know, and I just didn't think very well at that point. So uh, what I would tell other people is as soon as possible, you need to either make an arrangement with your boss or your company mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know what, maybe I'm going to work on the East Coast time zone or the, you know, the Hawaii time zone or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, if you, especially if you can communicate asynchronously. Yes. Um, if you can't do that, find a job that you can work your hours where you're ideally happy. You know, there's a lot of companies that will allow that. Um, go there or, you know, the ultimate is be, be your own founder. And then hire some other people to, to be awake in the mornings to, to cover you. And then you can, you know, maybe an assistant even can man some phones, answer some emails. And that's what I have now. Basically, my assistant clears out my inbox. By the time I'm ready to jump in at either noon or even later, she's already cleared out the inbox. She's starved the emails that I need to address. And okay. uh, then you can just go from there. So I, I would recommend someone get either an assistant or some kind of other, you know, arrangement if you if you can't work with human the nine to five human you know default then definitely find a way around it make you make you a lot happier absolutely uh what would you say so what would you say so if i don't know how many our, uh, of our readers listeners are night owls but if you had to give one tip or maybe just one thing that uh, uh, they could start doing to fit better within their body schedule, what would be it? Would there be anything? It may, it well, it depends. I mean, definitely try, try to change out your workflow for the day. If you're not super creative when you wake up like me, 
See, for me, the, the creativity builds up and through the night, right? So until I'm ultimately creative towards the end of the day, but I'm not necessarily doing work. I'm doing thinking time and then I'll jot down notes and stuff like that. But just get I more see. aligned with when you, you know, uh, maybe do a just, you know, quick journal entry every day. Hey, I, you know, I found it a lot easier to do my report at, at 4 p.m. than 12 p.m. or 8 p.m. or midnight or whatever. Keep track of that. And just find out your natural pattern and when you work best. And then kind of, again, try your best to get around that. We always can do it. I feel very privileged that I can do that. Hang on, I'm sorry. I feel very privileged that I can do that, mm-hmm. that I can work around, um, you know, my chronotype as it will, as it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, just try to get as close as you can and then work your way there, you know, as you, as you can get more flexibility in your life. Oh, absolutely. So I think the whole point is to find your nat- natural pattern of your body. And uh, the best way that you're suggesting is to keep a tab of uh, your most creative things and what time did you do it, do it and how effective you were. And maybe absolutely. the pattern will emerge out of it. Fantastic. Okay, so Matt, if... Uh, okay, so this is your typical day. And uh, you had a lot of things going on. You have to manage people now. You have to get some admin, admin work done. You still have to get some creative work done. I don't know if you're planning on writing another book, something as creative as that, or if you have something uh, else going. Uh, what helps you stay productive? Uh, do you feel burnout? Have you ever felt burnout? How do you stay productive? I mean, uh, if you, if, if, do you have any systems or routines that helps you stay productive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I am a, a written person. I have written procedures even for myself. So okay. uh, I have suffered burnout before badly. I write this in my book. Uh, there, there were so many years I just wanted to either dump the company or sell it to whoever would take it for whatever, just get it mm-hmm. off my hands. And, you know, right okay. now, I mean, we've made Inc. 5000 recently, you know, all these things. And I was just going to throw it all away because I was so burnt out, you know. But um, the way that I stay productive is, one, I don't overwhelm myself anymore. That was a big okay. problem. I took on everything under the sun back in the day as a solo founder. Again, that was another, yes. another problem being a solo founder. You take on a lot of stuff. You don't have someone to pitch in and, and take off the big stuff, you know, the big mm-hmm. decisions. Yes. So you own everything. But um, not overwhelming myself, getting sleep, like I mentioned, very, very important. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're, you can go. And if you're, in your young, you're young in your teens and 20s, maybe even your 30s, you can you can go years without, you know, yes. six to eight hours of sleep, but not long. And then it'll catch up yes. with you. So yes. um, sleep, I would add in there. And then uh, the real big thing that I got is uh, I got some good business coaching. Okay. And we really focused on having goals, specific goals, written goals, um, and not overwhelming goals. But I, I do a yearly, probably I spend a month planning my year for goals. And I'm not pedantic about them. I don't have to meet them. I can change them as reality. Reality will hit you in the face a lot. But Mm -hmm. every time I go into January, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the year, basically in a plan. And then each week I have to deliver one to three things. I have to ship one to three things that are part of those yearly goals. And it's not a lot. It's maybe three to five big goals, a couple of personal ones, a couple of big ones for the business. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can make sub goals and all these other things, but um, it, what keeps me going is that I have the, the big, you know, three to five goals that I could just review each week. Okay. This is what I'm working on. This is your mountain. You're going to the top of the mountain. 
what do I need to get from here to there this week? I'm moving yes. one to three things. I'm shipping them. I'm not working on them. I'm shipping something. Yes. That's a critical. Yes. That's really critical. Yes. You have to ship something. Yes. You can work piecemeal on little pieces of your goal every every week, but you can go months or years without getting anything shipped. I have to ship yes. something completed, okay? Even if it's a tiny little part of a project, just that mm -hmm. it's got to be something completed whether it's yes. specs or one feature or one little written document or something, it's got to ship. And that system has been very, very good to me over the last, and that, I've only perfected that in the last three to five years. So always have to ship something each week related to big goals is would be my, would be my secret sauce. If I had to say anything about being productive and staying. In. Okay, so um, I don't know if it is, if I should ask it, but, could you walk us through, say, uh, one of your big goals of 2021 and how do you plan, say, small goals of uh, uh, small weekly goals around it? Okay, so uh, big goal this year. Uh, remember, I was talking about bookkeeping yes. and uh, accounting, how we don't do it in house? Yes, yes. Well, this year, we want to start an experiment and see if we can bring that in house. So yes. we're going we're gonna to finally help everyone. Yeah, we're sick of our founders having to go to eight different vendors, come yeah. to us, just, just, we'll just handle it. We'll, we'll do all the stuff. We'll keep your company maintained. We'll do your books and then we'll do your taxes. So yes. what does that look like? Okay, so by the end of the year, I have to have that feature launched, okay? So what does that look like in January? I need to research what, who are some vendors that do this or what is it, what does it take? How much, how much time can, um, how many, how many companies can a, can one full-time bookkeeper manage working full-time processing books? So I start doing the research phase, right? Got it. So yes. in the next month, I look into some firms that maybe we could do either outsourcing as a white label backend. So yes. I start maybe having some partnership calls back and forth. Um, third week, we start working on, hey, what are the kind of APIs that we need to plug into for various softwares? You know, we're doing QuickBooks, whatever these are, each week, something has to get done, whether it's meet with three, you know, bookkeeping um, outsourcers mm -hmm. or, or research one API and know the exact requirements by the end of that week. So every single time and by, you know, right now where we're at in April, we're already, we've got a pretty good system. I don't want to give it away what we're doing yes. and who we're doing it with, but we're going to have a pretty good system starting, you know, by the end of the year, it will happen. So I think... That, that's basically a good example, I think, of one of my big goals. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And every week you plan small things that you have to ship, one, one to three small things per goal. Um, so you so maybe on the Sunday night or maybe Monday morning, you plan one to three things that you have to do in that week for to, to slowly reach to this big goal. Is that weekly how it works? Weekly review. You know, if you're a GTD guy, you're probably a GTD guy or, or at least they're <laughs> yes. very, very aware that almost everyone that loves your product probably loves GTD, but yes. um, uh, definitely a weekly review is critical. It happens every Monday morning for me or Monday when I get up and that's when I pick it. And I put that at the top of my to-do list, shipping this week, one, wow. two or three. And then that's at the top and that's at the top every single day. And it's right there and then subtask related to that. And you did you that on some application or just good old pen pen and paper? I'm with Todoist for the okay. uh, for my personal task and for the company we use Basecamp. Okay. 
got it fantastic uh so matt this was incredible how you plan your entire year and then based on that you plan you plan your months and based on that you plan your weeks uh and then once your weeks are planned i think days take care of themselves um uh, this is interesting because if i think about it i've been doing it almost exactly opposite i mean yes there is there are yearly goals uh but then i do not break uh, move from yearly through months to weekly i move hey, this is a big goal uh this is one big goal for this month uh that's it right. and then this month uh, yeah and and uh, how do we hit this month's goal i mean i do not break it down to the weeks and days uh maybe i should i don't know uh but this is interesting this is an interesting approach i'll try doing it i'll try to like look at my next month which is may uh right. and uh, instead of just thinking it of it as one month i'll try to think of it as four weeks now maybe i'll yeah. get more done or maybe i'll get more anxious i don't know <laughs> but uh, let me so start doing yeah, it i get what you're saying and there's no perfect way if you can just get working on goals in general i say that's a win for any human being whether you do once a month once a week every quarter every two months whatever it is i i think it's a win not a lot of people can do it as structured as i do i'm pedantic and and with keeping with goals i'm i'm self directed it took me almost two decades to get to this point okay so if you're just starting off with goals i do not recommend my system i recommend having some yearly goals but i don't recommend this very very structured thing just get your just get working on your goals get some productivity going and then you can you can tweak it later and then my i would consider mine a pretty advanced level frankly and it's not bragging that just 19 years worth you know but if you can do if you do something different that's fine i agree with all these systems as long as you keep yourself accountable with some kind of review whether it's a weekly mm-hmm. review or a monthly review and you're making progress then you're winning but you know i want years maybe more than a decade I didn't really have goals. I mean, I had kind of just nebulous ideas in my head, but I never really had anything written down. I didn't know if it was attainable. I didn't have anything I needed to ship. I'm just like, "Oh, you know what? We would like to do virtual office, you know?" And then boy, you know, eventually years later we had it, but I'm sure we could have had it in months if we had properly structured goals and accountability and reviews and all these things. So, you know, different animal now, but it's it's definitely interesting. Okay. This is interesting. Uh I was about to ask you how can one get as disciplined as you but I think the answer to that is um you just mentioned which is you've been doing it for last two decades so instead I'll ask you a different question okay. uh what are the mistakes that you made early on oh jeez uh literally the whole book that I wrote is about my mistakes okay. and I actually think <laughs> okay I actually think it's um more valuable to uh try to avoid mistakes and try to do mm-hmm. what other people are doing which they consider okay. good because each person mm-hmm. has like their own way of winning but mm-hmm. a lot of people they fail the same way right so um biggest mistakes uh Got do you it. mean in productivity or in business or just in general uh i mean uh in your journey to become this disciplined yeah. did, did 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 you plan too much did you plan too little i mean the mistakes that uh, somebody who wants to reach to um, that point of productivity routine can avoid in the early days something like that uh, well definitely so this is going to sound weird but i've done both and both are a mistake one is no okay. planning no goals okay okay and that's how i got to wanting to have goals but then okay. 
you know, it takes years. I, mean, I anyone could go years, no, no goals, right? Like yes. I'm just kind of going by an instinct and by the flow. And you know, some people can do that. They have such yeah. good instincts and they have such good management skills and delegation skills. They can just mm-hmm. go with the flow. They don't have to spend a month writing, thinking about goals and stuff. Maybe, maybe they're just super intuitive people, you know? Yes. I think yes. they're extremely rare and I think they have probably a really powerful executive assistant behind them in many cases or an executive team. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I also went several years ago where I'm way too heavy into goals. You're, you're planning, you're, you know, and I see this a lot in productivity articles. The guys, they have every single day, you know, pulled out on their Google calendar, right? They have eight different, you know, things they've already planned for the day. Mm-hmm. That is too structured for me. I just need to get my admin stuff, like I mentioned, out of the way, whatever that is in the first hour or so. And then I need my three to four hours of project work, but I get to choose that and I get to choose um, what I want to ship in a week, right? Got it. So that's less structured than just planning out every single hour. And I see a lot of advice on that. I think that'll burn out in almost anyone. So I think the balance is frankly, have enough time uh, you definitely want some kind of goals, some kind of direction. You want to look at the mountaintop. You want to know where you're going, but don't kill yourself and structure it so much that you have no creativity or you can't take on a, a really opportunistic project. So this is also at the top of my goals list, mm-hmm. opportunistic projects. Okay. So okay. if some, something comes along and it's a huge opportunity, I'm not just mm-hmm. going to reject it because, Oh, I have these goals this year. That wasn't on my goal list. You know, that's not, how you should do things. If a huge opportunity like Warren Buffett level, you know, partnership or something comes along, I'm not going to be like, no, I'm sorry. That's not my goals. I'm not going to do it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's silly. Right. So you have to be flexible enough to be opportunistic. I guess this would be my lesson there. Oh my God. I, okay. So my takeaway from your, um, this answer is be flexible enough to eventually become disciplined enough. I mean, uh, if you are too flexible, then nothing gets done. If you're too strict uh, in your with your goals, again, nothing about not, nothing great gets done. But you have to sometimes. So you have to basically be flexible enough where you're getting things done, but yet you are also uh, you also have eyes on the bigger picture and maybe some uh, rare opportunities that come your way. Yeah, that's that's basically how I would structure that. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, Matt. So. Uh, let me ask you a couple of lighthearted questions. Okay. So suppose you have a meeting planned and now that meeting got rescued due last minute for just 15, 20 minutes. So somebody's just running late. So do you have any go-to websites, apps, or things that you do to kill your 15, 20 minutes of time? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm totally hopelessly addicted to Twitter. Um, okay. I love Twitter. It's, it's like basically having, um, being able to follow the thoughts, the little thoughts, the quick thoughts of the smartest people on the planet earth. You can find the people in your industry the people that are in your hobby, the people that are in your, uh, whatever line of interest. And you can follow the smartest ones on earth and you can get real time updates from them. I'm, I'm hopelessly addicted to Twitter. I spent a lot of time on Twitter, uh, way too much, probably, probably <laughs> as much as an hour a day sometimes even more on weekends. So I'm not proud of it, but uh, I actually do get a lot of business insight from that. And I've gotten a lot of my my productivity and time kind of management ideas from there as well. So it, it serves a value, 
but it's also entertainment. Yes. It's entertaining as hell. I don't do Facebook much. I don't do much other social media. Just pretty much Twitter is my main thing. And then, you know, my Kindle, I have my Kindle at all times. I like to read a lot of nonfiction and fiction. So, you know, uh, like do a lot of reading at night too. Fantastic. Uh, g- give me a high five for uh, using Twitter as a mostly exclusive social media platform. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Matt, uh, this is uh, my last question. This is one question that I ask to all of our guests. And this is what I call a magic question. So if somehow magically uh, you get one additional hour, one extra hour every single day for the rest of your life, how would you spend it? Well, besides the obvious one uh, that'll get me divorced if I don't say it, but uh, with my <laughs> wife and family, of course. But given that, assuming that I already spent, you know, tons of quality time with them, you know, 100% I would write. I oh, think wow. I think writing is the meta skill for it doesn't matter the industry. Uh, if you're a knowledge worker of any kind, you uh, the more you write, the better you're thinking. Uh, it makes the imaginary more real. It forces you to be a better organizer of concepts. Forces you to become a better thinker overall. Uh, I, I absolutely the the moment I started writing and writing the book, my ideas got better and better and better. And now I just write. I write a lot. We write. I write on our blog. Uh, I have my own blog, mattney.com, uh, that I write. Uh, yeah, not not as frequent as I you know, want to, but if I had an hour a day, boy, I would write because it changes your life. It makes you a better thinker. It clarifies your ideas. All these things that I've already mentioned, uh, really, really game changer, if you're, especially if you're a knowledge worker. I see, very interesting. Matt, this is incredible because I also believe in writing. I mean, whenever I'm confused about something, all I do is I open up a, bl- open up a blank Google doc and after an hour, I have clarity. I mean, just okay. magically, it's, it works like magic. That's Every exactly, single time. that's, you just, that's exactly what I do. I fire up a Google doc. I just dump out, I do a brain dump yes. and then I start organizing and then I start writing. And then suddenly the thing that was impossible to think of is totally clear in an hour. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Fantastic. Okay. Matt, if somebody wants to follow along your journey or wants to get in touch with you or know more about you, how, how, how would somebody do that? I know that you have a blog now, matney.com, but if you could list out all the possible ways somebody can know more about you, your availability on the internet, how one, how does one do it? Well, uh, for my company, it's mycompanyworks.com. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we help people start companies, all 50 states, uh, all uh, entity types. Personally, I'm, uh, my username on Twitter is at matney, M-A-T-T-K-N-E-E. Again, mm-hmm. mattney.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-E-E.com. And uh, mattney at Gmail is my, is my personal email. Uh, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm not, I'm not too active on Facebook or LinkedIn, but uh, those are my main contact points. Fantastic. So everybody who is listening to this uh, on their podcast apps, uh, all of these links are in the show notes of this episode. So you can directly click on them and reach out to Matt. Uh, Matt, do you get worried that uh, you will mention your email address in public like that and you'll get uh, many unsolicited emails? No, you know, I I really don't. Okay. (laughs) No, it doesn't bother me. Okay. Great. Uh, so, uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking out time. It was fantastic to talk to somebody to whom I could relate on so many different levels. Night owl, writer, uh, 
solo founder uh, there was just too many things i could uh, talk about even more and i could pick up a few things but i think the biggest takeaway for me is uh, to be flexible and also have your eyes on something while being flexible exactly guys um, on the prize definitely yes yes uh thank you so much matt uh it was such a pleasure talking to you if there's anything thank you. Uh, thank you would you. like to mention good. towards the end yeah that's the thing absolutely thank you